Welcome back to Breakout Culture and to episode 85. I'm Ed Fazy, none other than the culture editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Charlotte Metcalf. I'm the associate editor at Country and Townhouse. And we're delighted to be back with an exciting schedule of autumn podcasts ahead. But as students return to schools and universities, we're going to kick off the season with one of the most important issues of our time, creativity, or indeed the dire lack of it in schools and the vital role that museums can play in addressing that. Today we're going to be talking about one of our greatest and most popular British institutions, the Victoria and Albert Museum. We're honoured to have with us the museum's director, Tristram Hunt. Tristram has been the director of the v since 2017. He's a historian, a broadcaster and a journalist. He's got several books under his belt, but he was also a Labour MP serving for Stoke-on-Trent between 2010 and 2017. In fact, he was Shadow Secretary of State for Education between 2013 and 2015. Now, Tristram is now on a mission to ensure the V&A champions design and creativity for everyone over the next three years, developing new sites and encouraging creative and design skills amongst children and young people. He believes the latter are drastically diminishing unless we do something about it. And with his roles in education and politics, as well as at the V&A, no one's better place to lead this important national debate. We're delighted to have Tristram with us. Good morning, Tristram. Good morning. Good morning, Tristan. It's very good to have you here. Now, you kicked off the V&A's three-year strategy in April with the launch of a short, specially commissioned film called Creativity. It's what makes us. Now, before we talk about the film, we want you to tell our listeners what this strategy is about. What is the context? I know you've talked previously about the worrying decline of creativity in the school curriculum, something like a two-thirds drop in the number of young people taking design and technology GCSE in the last decade. So what's going on? Well, I think probably beginning around 2007, 2008, we began to see this really marked fall in the number of young people taking creative subjects, uh, particularly um, in in secondary school. And then it accelerated under a series of um, reforms, which began to undermine the importance placed upon creative subjects within the school curriculum because of the way in which schools were then uh, marked in terms of the league tables and the grades. So there's an incentive amongst school leaders to get rid of art and design and music and drama. And as we know, That then fed through into the numbers taking GCSEs, fed through into the numbers taking A-levels. And then at time, it feeds through into the numbers of teachers who want to teach those subjects. So you're in this absolutely terrible bind. And so, as you've written so powerfully, Ed, just at this moment when the fourth industrial revolution requires us to encourage creative thinking and uh, resilience and capacity amongst young people to move away from a kind of two cultures idea of science and art and actually see the way in which the digital revolution merges together creative impulses across art and science and design and humanities, that component in our education system uh, has been probably under more pressure than any other area. So the um, the idea was always that the V&A should return to um, its, its foundations, which was about using this collection to encourage creativity amongst makers and designers and artists, but also uh, to be quite proactive in the school system about encouraging design education. And what do you think will move the dial on this? Because, I mean, what do you think is leading schools to drop design and technology or indeed pupils? It may be driven by the 
teachers or the pupils is it cost of it is it the relevance of it people can't understand can't kind of put two and two together and work out what kind of careers they could do with it is it the government's emphasis on the kind of core subjects like physics and chemistry and maths it's partly it's partly parental you know parents not thinking art and design subjects are good options for their children if they want to get ahead in life. And so there's a big piece of work to be done, which says that actually, you know, your children are going to go through, you know, seven, eight jobs in their lifetimes. The world of employability is changing so fast. Actually, these subjects teach precisely those skills, which are going to be quite functional and helpful for them um, in their careers. It's around the way in which schools are assessed um, in terms of uh, the grades that are given the greatest uh, prominence. So yes, you're, you're not seeing the weighting in, in, in Progress 8 and all those other components in which schools are graded, that you're having the arts subjects prioritised. And then it's amongst, it's about exciting teachers. And, and so that's where we come in. So what, what, what we do is focus on curriculum development, uh, professional development of teachers, providing exciting ways to think about design and technology. So we, we lend our collections around the country, we work with local museums, we work with uh, coalitions of local secondary schools, and then we run competitions. So it's like, how do we support teachers so that their kind of bosses, the deputy heads and the heads, realise this is a really good subject to have in their schools and we're teaching it really well. So let's get on to, to your role as a museum doing this. So can we kick off with talking about this film that you've made? So this is the second piece of the, the, the pie about, about creativity, that, you know, what is the V&A for this, this remarkable museum, which was once called the South Kensington Museum, once called the Museum of Manufacture, has been known sometimes as uh, the nation's attic. My, my predecessor, Roy Strong, once called it a very capacious handbag, you know, the, the, place, <laughs> the place where the stuff not in the British Museum or the National Gallery goes. So what, what holds, you know, 17 national collections from photography to silver, ceramics to fashion, textiles, what brings this all together? And at the heart of it is the creative impulse. And, and I think we've all felt, particularly during lockdown, particularly during the kind of digital overload we're, we're all still experiencing, that the, the power of making, the power of being in front of objects to inspire your creative energy is more important than ever. So we work with the great director, Georgina Hudson, to, to um, sort of showcase this notion of creativity being in all of us. And the thing about the V&A is whether it's ivory uh, miniatures, whether it's uh, jewellery, um, there's, there, there's a part of the collection which is going to appeal to your creative component, your, 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 your kind of the V&A in your DNA. You know, what, what, oh what is that? Oh, my God, that's terrible. <laughs> I always came quite, up with that one. I always quite like. I, I oh like my that one. God, I like that one. That is such a middle-aged dad slogan. <laughs> but that notion, that notion of creativity, um, is really, really um, powerful. And, we, and I showed it recently um, um, in a school. Um, and the person who was most drawn to it was actually the dance teacher because um, the, you know we use these incredible young dancers and incredible choreographer and that notion of creative performance within the museum space was something she was really excited about as well. Is there an element when people don't do design and technology that they think it's too difficult? I remember doing art O-level and giving up because I didn't think I was a good enough artist. I mean do people think that kind of creativity is something that other people do and, and they don't have it? I think there's a I think there's a I think that's a really good point. I think there's a there's there's a fear of that. And and again, I think one of one of the jobs of the museum with a collection as broad as ours is is to showcase the extent 
of the human creative impulse and how it takes many and multiple forms, but also to, to show where it can lead, to show the, 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 the very best of it. One of my kind of thoughts at the moment is whether we should just rebrand it just as design. It's just a design GCSE. And, and, and the old kind of design and technology language, whether that feels um, sort of, as it were, too stuck in the past of sort of, you know, metalwork, woodwork, bashing, even though all those components are a really important part of it. But maybe design gives it that lift and attractiveness, which could bring more people to the subject. I agree with you, because I think if, if you stick the technology on the end, it sounds like everyone's being asked to be a new Brunel or start designing cars or something. So it's a remove to do that then? No, I've just thought of it now. Uh... <laughs> it's such a, such a stimulating podcast we've achieved two great breakthroughs we've dropped vnas in your dna and we've now rebranded the designing technology gcc so what else can we achieve in the next 10 minutes there's so much going on and we uh, interesting we've always had this this tension at the heart of the museum so the so the museum was originally you know prince albert's uh, idea was that you would use this collection to inspire the industrialists and the manufacturers and the technologists of the mid-19th century uh, who he feared were being overtaken by the Germans and the French and the Americans. And then as the museum developed... Um, and you began to employ curators who started to go and buy wonderful works of Renaissance art, it became this much more kind of aesthetic idea of design. And, and there's this dispute in the 1880s, I think, when Palmerston is like, you know, what is going wrong with the South Kensington Museum? Why have we got uh, all this, you know, fine Renaissance art and these textiles? And, you know, it should be focused on, uh, on, on, on the raw industry. So, so that's always existed within the museum. It exists within design technology. But I, I, I think people are attracted and interested in design today. And maybe we just need more emphasis there. Can you, can you tell us now a bit more about the sites that you're developing, the Young Viennet at Bethnal Green and the East Storehouse and the East Museum? Yes. So you, you will remember the beautiful and wonderful uh, Museum of Childhood, which used to be known as the Toy Museum, which used to be known as the Bethnal Green Museum, which opened um, in 1872 as an East End site for the South Kensington Museum. And it's been through many iterations. And in the last sort of 25 years, it has been this Museum of Childhood telling the social history of childhood, um, which if we're honest with ourselves, was often more enjoyed by parents and grandparents uh, looking back at the action men and play people um, and toys <laughs> of their youth, whilst their children sort of, you know, regarded it as a sort of bizarre toy prison. So what we're doing is we've, we've closed the Museum of Childhood and we're going to reopen it next summer as Young VNA using the collections focused on 0 to 14 year olds using the collections in a much more proactive way about encouraging creativity about learning through play about the importance of design about using your imagination and using the full range um, of the vna's collections from you know hockney prints to samurai swords to the national childhood collection to encourage the imagination in Tower Hamlets, in some of the most deprived communities um, in the UK. And we're doing something different there. It's, it's hard because it's not a play centre. It's not a kind of soft play centre. It's not a, <laughs> you know, kidsania, um, nor is it a museum of childhood. It's, it's, it's about using collections to encourage creative endeavour uh, amongst young people. So that's... I visited the site, actually, when it was um, just... Uh, I can't remember when it was, but it just been cleared out quite recently. In the last few months, I went... Uh, it's an incredible space, but I think it was the first flat pack museum, I seem to remember being told. That's that's 
That's unbelievably good account. I like that. The, because it was, it, it was the old boiler houses, which were originally um, in Hyde Park. They were then at South Kensington. Uh, and then they moved over to the East End. And you will remember that the design museum began as the as uh, described as the boiler house uh, as, as well. Um, and you've got that terrible 80s foyer, which I think has been listed, which you can't get rid of. Um, we have a wonderful entrance to the museum, um, uh, but but we will we will actually part of this will be a new entrance um, in. Uh, but that, but uh, you'll be delighted to know that's going to be a wonderful shop. Uh, so that'll be uh, uh, full access. Exactly. Um, so th- three galleries. First, focus on play in the early years. So learning through play, getting toddlers to learn through play. Second gallery, imagine. Uh, you know, a space for the- theatrical performances, for public reading, for performance, um, thinking about you know, identity, thinking about the collections. And then the third space, design for 11 to 14 year olds, beginning w- w- with a designer in residence space. So asking them to begin to think about design as a, as a, as a career and a, and, and a profession and normalising that whole idea um, of, of, of becoming a designer. I mean, presumably one of your challenges with so many state schools in particular, who are the, the kids who need this most, uh, it's, it's getting them into your museum. We work really proactively, like every school in Tower Hamlets. So we are, have got kind of touch points with every school there. You know, we, we know the teachers, we know the head teachers. So there's a really strong piece of work there. And then I think we just have to be a really exciting place where schools want to take their, you know, year four, fives and sixes too, um, for what one of those days out, which are just a, such an important part. It's much more of a challenge with the secondary schools because the, um, you know, the curricula is so tight, the, the scheduling is so difficult. So it's, it's kind of a, 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 a harder ask. But we are getting, you know, through some of our programmes, you know, we'll have students coming down from from Blackburn and uh, from Stoke-on-Trent and hopefully in time from Plymouth and Doncaster coming to the museum as part of these programmes. So if we discuss the V&A East Storehouse. No, no, let, no. Let, let me touch. So I mean, yeah. this is the V&A East Storehouse, which I hope you're going to name the Vasey Storehouse. So just to put this in context, because Tristan would never say this, so I have to blame my own trumpet. Uh, when I was the arts minister, there's this enormous building in Hammersmith, right around the corner from where Charlotte lives, actually, um, called Blythe House, which had been given by Margaret Thatcher to the museums. It used to be a bank, the National Savings Bank. And when it, the bank closed, she gave the building to the V&A, the Science Museum and the British Museum to store all their clutter in it. And I eventually uh, got permission from the Treasury to sell this building uh, and force uh, the three museums to put their collections in proper storage places. And we, were, we gave them money, the money from the sale, and there was a transitional grant. Fast forward 10 years, this swanky new storehouse is opening. There won't be a plaque saying, you know, if it wasn't for Ed Vasey's resilience <laughs> and, you know, force, forcing the v to do this, we wouldn't have it here. I mean, I'll be written out of this, but anyway, you might as well just talk us through the storehouse anyway. I know I won't get any credit from you. So, Ed, you're absolutely right. So the, 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 the government decided to sell off Blythe House for much-needed luxury flats in West London. Oh, where, no, where, is that where what it's going to be? Where, oh, no, where there's Ed. a real crying... I hope so. There's not enough luxury flats. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a real crying demand in oh. that part of London for high-end penthouses, and I'm so glad <laughs> we've, we've managed to be part of that story. Unparalleled um, views over Hammersmith Broadway. I'm going to weep. <laughs> So, 
as a result, this, this wonderful building, which was, as you know, the uh, the the kind of imagined site um, for the circus. It was for for uh, Le Carre, uh, for George Smiley. You know, when oh, I yes, was playing George in, um... Smiley, um, it, it was for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the image of MI6. Um, anyway, it's a wonderful, wonderful building, uh, which all the curators have hated leaving. Um, but the... Um, um, but... Ed, you are right. It has then forced the museums to to move uh, and to do things differently. So the, the British Museum are off to Reading, um, and I think the natu- um, at the Science Museum are off to uh, Rawton in uh, near Swindon, uh, and we have taken a slightly different approach, which is to create an open access storage facility. So that age old question, where have you hidden all the other stuff? You'll be able now to wander the reserve collections uh, of the VNA um, in an incredible new uh, facility in here East, which is which was the media center for uh, the uh, Olympics. So at the moment we're, we're fitting out this space um, so that you will be able to order an object, you'll be able to go in there and say, I want to see uh, the Eric Revillius monk uh, of um, the interwar period, you know, for a handling session. And we will then be able to facilitate that uh, for you if it's not here uh, at South Kensington. If you want to go and see Pringle jumpers from the 1970s, we will be able to help you uh, with that. So this idea of being able to access the collection um, in a much more readily available way is really, really uh, exciting. And then just a 10 minute walk from that, on the East Bank, uh, which is the development going up opposite Zaha Hadid's uh, swimming pool next to the uh, Olympic Stadium, uh, Sadler's Wells East, the BBC, the London College of Fashion, uh, and then the VNA East uh, Museum, which to go back to where our conversation began, tells the story of making uh, with a particular locus on the tradition of making in the East End, going back to the Spitterfield weavers and the bow porcelain uh, and the plastics valley of the, of the uh, 19th century, right up to uh, Lee McQueen and the, and, the, and the makers of Hackney Wick today. So it's a really exciting shift um, in terms of the, the kind of cultural geography of London. I think it is exciting for two reasons. First of all, I'm obsessed by storage. I mean, I have this uh, anecdote I always tell. Uh, I don't even know. She, she probably has no idea I tell it. My former private secretary uh, going to Liverpool and going around the storage collections of the National Museums of Liverpool. And she said to me on the train back, that was the best visit we've ever done because she found it so exciting to kind of just, it was a bit like going to a flea market. You could just wander around and, and look at stuff. And it wasn't intimidating. It wasn't you know everything behind a glass case with tiny labels. It was just very, very informal. And I think that is the way forward. Uh, and I think the Science Museum in Rawton is going to do the same thing, where people can feel they can just wander in relatively at will and not be kind of told what to look at. And I think the V&A East Museum, with the brilliant director, Gus Casey Hayford, who's one of the most articulate and thoughtful people on museums at the moment, you know, that I think there's going to be like 20,000 students in that area, all of whom will have access to this thing Incredible collection at the VNA. You know, we've we've been in Bethnal Green since the eighteen seventies. We've always had these connections with East London. Uh, I think the legacy uh, of twenty twelve, uh, a decade on, um, and 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 the vision behind what the Olympics sought to do when London was this remarkable, outward looking, progressive place. And the tragedy um, is, is there <laughs> won't even be a Vasey Way. 
Well, no, no, no. Maybe I mean, one of those. Just, it's just maybe, unbelievable, isn't it, Sean? Maybe one of those <laughs> nice, ni- nice flats in Olympia could have your oh, sort of. I'm so depressed. That's not what have... it's going to be. He's such it, a lefty. It's pathetic. <laughs> oh, no, I like William oh. all the way on this side. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, please. All your mates live in luxury penthouses, Sean. <laughs> they do not. It's just so the one thing this area does not need is more luxury flats. So have we oh. covered everything okay. or not? No, I mean, no, 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 no. Have we you got more started. to ask him? We, I so have, yeah. Oh. Um, we want to know what have you got coming up? I know you've got the Korean one, you know, what's happening from September on? Well, this summer, to begin with, is Africa Fashion, uh, which is the most superb um, exhibition with our new Africa Fashion curator, Christine Chikinska, telling the story of uh, contemporary African uh, design and going back to um, uh, sort of post-independence years and building this narrative of creativity um, in cities such as uh, Lagos and Accra and Dakar and Johannesburg. Um, And for us at the V&A, which has not collected African fashion in the way that we should have done in the past. Uh, we've purchased uh, almost 100 uh, garments now uh, for the collection, which will now remain forever in, in, in the V&A collection as a result of this um, exhibition. So that's really exciting. In autumn, K-Wave, uh, celebrating uh, contemporary Korean uh, culture, architecture, photography, film, cosmetics, music, design. But the BTS split is not going to put us off. Uh, we will not be in mourning. We will keep going uh, to celebrate that. And then in the early, early next year, Donatello, uh, the definitive Donatello uh, exhibition, uh, an iteration of which has been in Florence, uh, then Berlin, uh, and the V&A, which holds this just spectacular sculpture uh, collection uh, with, with an incredible Donatello collection ourselves, um, we'll be putting on the, the definitive Donatello exhibition uh, February next year. And you've got Chanel. And then we announce in September next year uh, that Gabrielle Chanel Fashion Manifesto uh, will be coming to um, the V&A. And that's going to be absolutely mega. Um, so that'll be a really, really exciting uh, moment. Again, kind of, and, and when we think about young people coming to the museum, you know, photography and fashion are really important um, in ensuring that young people understand museums are for them they 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 build up the muscle memory of coming to museums and enjoying museums feeling at home in museums and so chanel will be a really important part of that uh not least again because that that story of design and creativity which is what the story of chanel uh is also partly about you came up with um in your blog that you wrote to to launch your strategy you you had a fantastic statistic that 80 is it 82% of us think we're creative in some way? I definitely think that's true. Um, and, and it goes to your point about, you know, feeling potentially inhibited by that or, or, or not feeling confident about what, about what that um, entails. Um, and yet when, when, when you see the kind of sort of, you know, vernacular design communities online or offline, you know, what, what is our, you know, what is downloaded most from the V&A website is quilting. Uh, is you know, we Oh, yes, we have these, you know. Uh, of course it is. Why are you yeah, so exactly. surprised? Exactly. I'm really surprised. Oh, well, we're yeah. big on quilting. Come on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and that's great. That's, that's, that's as, it, as, it, um, as it should be. And, and I just think, you know, you do... You don't need to, you know, museums don't have the answer to everything by any means, but just being a, being a space where people feel that that can nurture some of that cr- creative impulse in whatever form um, is profoundly important. Brilliant. Well, look, uh, thanks a lot, Tristram. 
Yeah, really thank you very speaking. much. I'm so glad I finally made this happen. I'm very sorry that previous uh, attempts did not succeed. That's almost all we've got time for this week. But before we go, we'd just like to flag up the Chelsea History Festival is back next Friday, the 17th of September, with a host of fascinating talks at the National Army Museum. One of the first on Friday at 2pm is The Secrets Behind Your Front Door with house historian Melanie Back Hansen, who tells the hidden stories and secrets of both ordinary and extraordinary houses across the country. Also on two, at 2pm 2 on Friday... There's a talk on the real lives of the English monarchs with Peter Snow and Anne Macmillan talking to Dan Snow. The festival runs until 25th September and will include a talk on the women who saved the English countryside, including Beatrix Potter and Octavia Hill, and another on Christina Granville, Britain's first highly decorated female World War II special agent. There'll also be a War Horse concert on the 22nd at 7.30 in the Royal Hospital's Wren Chapel and a tour of the beautiful Physic Garden on 23rd at 11 a.m. with garden historian Leth Jones. I have no idea why Charlotte didn't just say... Go on the bloody website and have a look at what's on <laughs> on the Chelsea History Festival. But there you go. I've read it all out to you. So I hope you've been taking notes while I've been speaking. Lots to do at the festival. And indeed, you can find, it says here, all the details on the website at the thechelseahistoryfestival.com. So next week, we're going to be doing what we love doing on this podcast, profiling a small London museum that might not be world renowned yet, but which we think is an absolute gem. In July this year, just before we went off air for the summer, the Horniman Museum and Gardens in Lewisham won the Art Fund Museum of the Year and £100,000, the largest museum prize in the world. This on top of numerous past awards. So we went to find out just what makes this museum so special and special it certainly is. So tune in next week to hear all about it. As usual, you can find us at countryandtownhouse.com. You'll find the latest digital edition of the magazine there, as well as our sister podcast, House Guest, with Carol Annette, who talks to some of the most fascinating and influential names in interior design. We love your feedback, so we want to hear from you. If there's something you'd like to hear us profiling, please leave a comment or email us on charlotte at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. See you next week. Bye.